Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Ross, Xbox Live, Toaster 360. He is Steve, Xbox Live, Steveovich. And it's a pleasure to entertain you all in episode 179 today, June 25th, 2020. We have an utterly packed show for you today. I don't know what exactly happened or who ate what kind of Wheaties, but there are all kinds of stories that have dropped this week. Gaming news includes Microsoft shutting down Mixer, Rocksteady's new game, Horizon Forbidden West's release, Time Frame Unveiled. Movie news features Michael Keaton possibly redawning the cape and cowl, Joel Schumacher passing away, and Cyberpunk getting their own Netflix series. Our topic of the day is Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire Episode 1 that debuted today that showed off a whole lot more of what is sure to be our game of the year. But first things first, let's catch up with the bald and beautiful brother Steve. How you doing? Hey, you know I'm doing okay, Russ. The week has gone by fast. It surely has. I I must agree. I have to agree with you, Steve. I was actually commenting about that today about how it's like, wow, it is uh, almost Friday already. That's that's uh, that's crazy. (laughs) Of course, by the time people hear this, it's going to seem like the week is starting off slow. But um, rest assured, (laughs) hope the week goes by fast for you, too. Well, it, uh, hopefully we will provide a certain pep to their proverbial step at the beginning of the week there, Steve. That's that, that's our that's our hope anyway. But I think, honestly, for me anyway, I, I mean, obviously I've got stuff going on at work, but I think the sheer volume of stories that caught my attention and fascinated me and just, man, made me all Twitter-pated at times, I think that's what really... Um, egged the week on in terms of um, it going so fast because there it just seemed like there were just these news announcements. I know I, I was texting you more often than normal this week. Just have you seen this? Have you seen that? So like I'm trying like, to work here. <laughs> I was spamming your phone. I'm like, look at this. Look at that. So it was, yeah, very, very eventful, which I got to say, I think that we were subconsciously wanting or yearning for something like that simply because we haven't had our E3. Like typically when E3 happens and we have this huge deluge of different announcements and game demos and that sort of thing, we seem to be on this euphoric gaming high, but we haven't had that despite all the different shows that have been, you know, (laughs) revealed so far. And each one of them has kind of been underwhelming to a certain extent it has not maintained the same level of uh joygasm as uh, <laughs> previous years so i think you know for me it's like i i've been on this this crazy nerd high the entire week and i'm not ashamed to admit it steve i'm not ashamed at all with all these different stories going on but uh anyway what have you been playing this week steve what have you been watching well i still Started to watch uh, Midway, um, which is kind of a uh, World War II flick. Came out last year. Um, it's got that guy. I can't remember his, uh, his name in there. He, he was Ajax in uh, Deadpool, and he played also in Game of Thrones. He's got that kind of. He's that British actor. You know what I'm talking, I'm talking about? 
Yes, but I don't know his name. Yeah, I forgot his name too. I probably should have looked it up before the show. But uh, he's in it, and he's uh, he's donning a American accent, and this one. Didn't get all the way through it though. Wife doesn't like war movies too much. She was gone for a little bit, so I thought I I'd throw it in the old um, PlayStation and watch with uh, the volume up high. Uh, but so far, so good. I'll have a full report uh, for you next show there, Russ. Um, oh, good. Otherwise, uh, let's see. Where am I in God of War? I uh, I was I flew after this other like demigod guy and I landed back in um uh hell spear or whatever hell something rather it's like hell but hell frozen over or something I don't really know where I am um <laughs> you know what I'm what I'm talking about I, I think I'm finally about to get out of that spot and uh go back to oh you yeah, know I did get out and now I'm gonna go do some side quests to get uh get some get some stuff so after that, though, I've been playing some Legends of Runeterra, and I finally had a guy surrender on me. Really? He didn't play to the death, he surrendered. I was like, ooh, nice. He fell on his sword, and that was that. That was pretty cool. Um, Congratulations, good sir. Thank you. But you know what, uh, though, with Legends of Runeterra, I, I got it for my phone, but I cannot remember my password. So I goes, hey, who are you? Go ahead and log in. I'm like, okay, well, this is my name. Password. Uh, well, it can only be one of three passwords that I've ever used for pretty much everything. And it's not any of them. So I You're don't know. You're talking really about the password pass- for Legends of Runeterra? Yeah. That I had to set up when I installed the game on the, on the, oh, on the computer. Oh, man. So... That's not good. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I don't want to start all the way over because that's, you know, not the not the greatest. Uh, I mean, I guess I could, but I don't really want to. Um, so, I don't know. I guess it'll, it'll be a PC-only game. Who knows? Uh, other than that, though, we, uh, Wifey and I are making our way through Luke Cage. Season 2, not so good as Season 1. Written... Written, um, not so good, but it kind of dawned on me after watching Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. The supporting actors, in my opinion, seem to be better written. I'm not going to say better acted, but better written, maybe even better casted than the like the main actors. I don't know. Like, like we, my wife and I were talking about how much we like some of the supporting you know folks in these movie and 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 uh, this in this series. Like, uh, like the detective in Luke Cage is awesome. And like, there's this nurse, I don't want to give too, too much away, but there's a nurse that's fantastic. Um, and that there's an assistant with Jessica Jones, who's absolutely awesome. Like there, there's a, a lot of supporting actors and actresses that are absolutely fantastic. I'm very well casted, very well written, almost better. Like I said, better than the regular main characters, but Anyhow, we're about midway through. What is kind of cool about the show, though, is they have a lot of live music playing, like actual artists, because there's a nightclub where they have live music, and um, and there's there's some 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 pretty good music that's played. I mean, that's something that we always look forward to with the show. Um, I actually YouTube one of the uh, one of the artists last night. It was it was pretty good. But other than that, that's uh, that's about what's going on with me. 
Russ, I, I was actually, oh, no, wait, I have to say <laughs> something. I have to say something. If anybody is going to be shopping on Amazon on a Sunday or even a Saturday and you choose to get expedited shipping, just go ahead and not do it. Just don't do it. Please. This I've, I've had three times in a row where I've tried to get the right headset and I go, yes, I'll pay the, elect- the, 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 the extra $9 to $15 expedited shipping so I can get it on or before a certain day and three times in a row. They're like, oh, sorry, thanks for the extra shipping, but your your item's not going to be received until three days later, which pretty much makes it land on what would have been the free or standard shipping. Oh, my. Stuff like that, Russ, that just, uh, mm, just uh, <laughs> grinds my gears. Grabs me by the ghoulies. You know what I mean? I I can't say I know what you mean because I have not had that problem recently. Most of my shipments and whatnot have arrived when they say they have. I'm not exactly sure what to well, tell you about that, Steve. A, maybe it's a Prime thing because I don't have Amazon Prime because just usually I it'll be a while till I buy something off Amazon. So I don't want to keep on paying for Prime. When I like when I go for long periods of not buying anything from Amazon and then some short bursts where I buy a bunch of stuff. Maybe that's it. But I would think that it wouldn't really matter if I just wanted to pay the extra shipping. Oh, it just drives me nuts. It drives me bonkers, Rose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, words of wisdom. What's going on with you? Oh, oh man. I have had a, a pretty eventful week, I must say. I, you know, of course I was playing Legends of Runeterra as if I had to tell you that or anybody else for that matter. What's interesting is they have, well, I, I suppose the, the original, original, I, I make no sense. Come on, brain, use the correct words. They had an announcement today that is previewing an update to the game that is going to come out. I believe they're rolling it out tomorrow. Did you see that? I they saw have a new- something. So they have a new game mode called Gauntlet. It's a new yeah. mode. It's, uh, you know, they, they, they advertise it as new rules, same skills, uh, where you take on a unique challenge and compete against other players. And apparently you have to try and, and win seven times in a row. So it's, it's uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty interested in it because it almost sounds like a streamlined version of their expedition mode, where in expedition it's a little more involved with the idea of drafting your decks on the fly and that sort of thing as you go through and, and you try not to lose. And so this seems like more kind of like a, a classic Diet Coke version of that, which, which is fine. Cause like, honestly, I'm not as interested in drafting. I'm not in the mood to do that, but something like this, it's like, yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, on top of that, they also, I don't know if you noticed Steve, but they also have, um, kind of a variety of different things that they have added to the store. So the lease and bundle is in there. It's where, um, they have, a a, a unique card backing that has Mr. Lee on the back. It looks very cool. Um, it has a, a new board. It's called the lease iron will board. And uh, an exclusive Lee Sin icon as well. So it, it's interesting how they're, they're starting to, to um, focus on that particular champion. And it honestly, 
it makes me excited for all of the other champions because I think this is part of their long-term rollout is having boards and icons and, and even the card back decks and stuff like that. Um, perhaps having champion oriented themes. So if there are certain champions that, that are your favorite in the game, I know I have certain ones that I, I think are prob probably my favorite. It's going to be fun to be able to collect those over time. And I know that they also had some additional pets like, like the guardians and they have some other, I think a couple of other card backings as well. I know there was one for the, uh, the pirates actually. I think there are two, um, which is really, really cool. And oh, there were some other things I saw too. And I don't have the game open in front of me uh, at the, the time of recording, but I was happy to see more of that. I, I was kind of getting to the, the point where I was like, you know, I'm kind of missing some updates. I want to see some, some new content. Not that I have unlocked everything, but just, I don't know, for some reason it pleases me whenever there's like new DLC content that comes through, it just refreshes everything for me. So looking forward to, to checking some of that stuff out. And other than that though, I've been playing it daily, you know, no, no surprise there. I've been having a lot of fun with it. And, uh, been, I've been really enjoying the, the, the times that you and I get to play together. I, I think that's, I think this is going to be the mobile game that will keep you and I entertained with each other for quite some time. Would you agree, Steve? I would. Maybe, maybe I'll take a second gander at, uh, starting a brand new account so I could play with you. I don't know. I mean, what if I'm on the can and I want to play with you? You know, what? I don't, I it's, don't care. It's, it's perfect. I don't care. I mean, what if, what if I'm on the can and you're on the can? I was just about to say, we, what if, what if I'm <laughs> popping a squat and you're pinching a loaf? I mean, might uh, as well. I don't see why not. Take out some of our aggression in the game if we're feeling a little overly constipated. Ah, Ross, that's like Exactly. But anyway. Uh, really, really fun game. I actually resumed, started, uh, not started, I, I resumed playing Resident Evil 2 Remake. And I streamed it too uh, for a little bit. I actually had work ping me as I was playing, so I had to stop. I think I, I got about 30 minutes or so into it before I had to run back to my office and take care of some action items. But <laughs> having said- <laughs> Yeah, guys, I'm here. I'm here, I'm here. Uh, what's, what's up? Yeah, I've always been here. I, I, yeah. I, know, I will have you know- <laughs> <laughs> that I was not playing that game until the evening. Well, I actually had the, oh, the, the HR or the, the head of HR uh, ping me through Slack. And it was like, I want to say it was like nine o'clock or nine 30 PM my time. And so I had to run down there and it was funny because uh, you know, she was of course really thoughtful. She's like, you totally do not have to do this right now. Cause I know what time it is. <laughs> I said, no, it's okay. I got it. But anyway, I am, uh, very much reminded though, during the, the 30 minutes that I was playing the game about how scarce the ammunition is in that title. Because I went through a particular hallway within the, the police station and it was a hallway that I either I haven't gone down yet or maybe I had and I just really just sprinted the whole way. But it was like the one part of the police station where I didn't have any barricades up against the, the open windows. And I've been really good with that with this game where I have methodically looked for those barricades that are kind of just laying about and just dealing with those. That's like going to the windows and boarding them up is priority numero uno. 
uh, for this gringo. And I was shocked when I went down this hallway because there were like two or three windows were just open and they're just, you know, the zombies are just schlocking their way in, you know, pulling themselves through the windows. And man, I went through 35 or so bullets in that one hallway because there were so many zombies and they, they've got endurance by the way, their stamina. I mean, that those <laughs> suckers can take a bullet and keep on trucking. I, I'm really impressed. And I must say, Steve, I'm going to take back some of the harsh criticisms I have had for you while watching you play Resident Evil in terms of your aiming. I, I used to think you were just kind of uh, like a, uh, really? a person who's a little crappy at aiming the, your your oh business gosh. end of the firearm at these uh, oh schlocking, uh, stumbling zombies. But no, that is literally a mini game unto itself. Like when a zombie's coming towards you, man, it is so difficult to try and aim... And, and actually tap them in the head. It is, man, like I, I'm hitting them in the shoulders and the hands and, you know, maybe a couple of times in the head, but like they just keep coming. So anyway. They um, they must have hit the vitamin store before they uh, came to where you were at. Bought some <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you remember um, when you were playing Resident Evil 2 Remake, how on the, the far left-hand side of the first floor of the police station, there's like this long, straight hallway? Do you recall that or not? Yeah. Are you just saying that or do you remember? I, I Any Resident Evil from 1 to 3 always had like a long hallway or a corridor or plural corridors that are long and like, okay, I got to make it from one end to the other. Something's going to happen. I can feel it in my bones. Hopefully I have enough ammunition <laughs> and herbs to cleanse my wounds from <laughs> zombies. And then you would start to run and soon enough, like the, you know, the carpet was on, on top of like another zombie. You kind of came out of the woodwork somewhere and you're like, I don't even see him. Ugh, <laughs> happened every game. And I was just as scared from one to three. Oh man, that there were so many in this hallway. It got so bad. And, and I was actually doing like, despite the fact that like I, I, I was missing here and there with like trying to shoot them. I was actually doing a pretty decent job considering how many freaking zombies there were in this hallway. And I even got tackled by two simultaneously and they're biting me, taking chunks out of me. And luckily I was able to, to survive that and get up and hobble my way to safety. But my goodness, like I went through my flashbang I had, I went through my knife that I had, I went through a grenade. I, had, I mean, I, I was going through all of my secondary backup weapons. I forgot I even had those in my inventory. Kind of makes you wish you just had a katana at your side. You could slice and dice and just call it good. Keep on going. Tap into my inner Michonne. Absolutely. But I, I think... I did not save it. I think when I got back to safety, I looked at my inventory. I was thinking, oh my gosh, like I don't, I have zero bullets left. <laughs> and I think I had like one shotgun shell and I, uh, in my inventory, like I have like the acid rounds and I have the flame rounds and stuff, but I don't know how to, I don't think I have the right firearm to use those yet or something. Anyway, I ended up not saving where I left off. I'm hoping that my most recent save is before I went down that hallway because my goodness, I think I'm going to try that again and just try and sprint all the way down and see if I need to get anything in there. It was, it was pandemonium. I must say we were also playing overwatch during our Wednesday night streaming on Twitch at nine 30 PM. And that was a lot of fun too. I, I think we did pretty well. Don't you agree? Certainly better than, um, 
Last time, yeah. I th- I think we we probably won about what seventy percent of the time. Yeah, I would say so, Russ. It's definitely a, a nice time. And actually, Mr. Tron Wu, who's a good buddy of mine, works in the gaming industry, uh, stopped by. I don't know if you noticed that. When he was in the chat and we were uh, ch- chatting away in between rounds, and that was a lot of fun. Good to see Mr. Tron Wu in the uh, chat as always. And finally. I sat down and I watched Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which we were kind of kicking around a few weeks back as to like whether or not we should do it as a topic of the day. And it was just sitting on my coffee table. And I was thinking, you know, I'll go ahead and pop this back in. And yeah, that, that is a very visceral movie. I must say, I, I think it's uh, definitely a proper tapping into of the gamer psyche. Getting into some gaming news. So I have quite a bit here that I'd like to be able to share because this is actually a pretty big bombshell that dropped earlier this week. Microsoft has shut down Mixer and is partnering with Facebook Gaming. The Verge uh, reported that Microsoft is in fact closing its Mixer service on July 22nd. So it's still technically active right now. But it plans to move existing partners over to Facebook Gaming. The surprise announcement means Mixer partners and streamers will be transitioned to Facebook Gaming starting today. And Microsoft will no longer operate Mixer as a service in a month's time. Microsoft has struggled to reach the scale needed for Mixer to compete with Twitch, YouTube, and even Facebook Gaming, which has led to today's decision. I have a quote here. They said, we started pretty far behind in terms of where Mixer's monthly active viewers were compared to some of the big players out there, said Phil Spencer, uh, who is our, who's Microsoft's head of gaming, in an interview with The Verge. And he goes on to say, I think the Mixer community is really going to be um, benefiting from the broad audience that Facebook has through their properties and the abilities to reach gamers in a very seamless way through the social platform Facebook has. Now, a little tidbit of information that I thought was particularly interesting is that Microsoft is partnering with Facebook to transition existing Mixer viewers and streamers over to Facebook gaming in the coming weeks. Um, and existing Mixer partners will be granted partner status with Facebook gaming and any streamers using the Mixer monetization program will be granted eligibility for Facebook's level up program. Now, there's a part two to this story uh, which involves the celebrity streamers such as Ninja and Shroud. So those top Mixers are now free to stream on Twitch again. And that was something that was crazy too where Because Microsoft is shutting down the Mixer and moving most of its streamers to Facebook Gaming as part of a strategic partnership, it's entering with the social media giant. The the major streamers who were locked into like these exclusive deals with Mixer, including stars like Tyler Ninja Blevins, uh, Corey King, uh, Gathalan, I don't, I'm not even saying that right, Michael and uh, Michael Shroud. Uh, will be released from their contracts, and Microsoft says it's up to them where they decide to go. So, I am pretty shocked 
by this this entire thing. But at the same time, I'm not. And I'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts as well on this, Steve. But I think looking at this, you know, Microsoft is such a huge company. They're a multi-billion dollar company. It was very evident that they wanted to be able to compete and perhaps even become the leader in the live streaming industry. And so they, they started up this, this platform called Mixer and they, they threw some heavy cash at the celebrity streamers to bring them over. But it all, it, like at the end of the day, it ultimately did not pan out for them. And I was thinking about it and I think the main problem was they didn't cultivate a mixer community. You know, they didn't nourish and offer a supportive ecosystem within their platform where you actually have brand affinity happen with various gamers where they, they really like the platform of mixer. There's an active community that's there. There's perhaps some representatives who work for Mixer and have programs in place to, to, you know, like loyalty programs, incentive programs, that sort of thing. It was literally like Microsoft thought they could buy their way into the, the live streaming platform. And I think it was a hard lesson to learn just because like if you're Ninja, for instance, I really hope that their contracts worked out in such a way where they were able to pocket most, if not all of the, the money that, that they negotiated. Because I think that there are certain percentages of fans who did in fact follow them over from Twitch to Mixer to watch them play. But I don't think the entire percentage of fans did that. And the ones who did would only go over there to watch someone like Ninja or Shroud, but then they would go back to places like Twitch or YouTube or Facebook even just because there was a much more defined ecosystem or community that's there. And I also think one of the, the detracting factors when it came to Mixer was that it was Microsoft only. I think that you could probably make an argument and say that it was also perhaps for the PC community as well. And I would buy that. But at the same time, when you compare it to a platform like Twitch, you have the culmination of all gamers who are streaming. You have Nintendo Switch players who are streaming from their Switch consoles. You have PS4. You just have the, the entire gamut. You even have Mac players as well. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, it, I think it's a cool idea that they would say it's going to be Microsoft only, but it's kind of a double-edged sword because while I personally would watch, for the most part, Microsoft only stuff, it's very limiting. So let's, let's say I wanted to watch you play Horizon Zero Dawn. Okay, and I'm and we live in separate spots and I just can't come over because of quarantine to watch you play. Well, if I'm just mixer only, I can't watch you play on PlayStation, but I have to go back to, to Twitch. So I'm always like in one foot in one spot and another foot in another spot. I'm never really committed to one. I mean, I could be for the most part, but if I've ever wanted to watch I, like almost anything else that's not on Xbox, I'd have to go back to their spot so I don't know I kind of think that if they left the door open a bit more and maybe they had like a cleaner like venue than than, than Twitch possibly uh, they could entice more people to come watch uh, and it, it might have made them a little more money if they had an open venue um, 
So, you know, who knows with that? I, I, I think their intentions were good. It just didn't pan out the way that they had hoped, and I think they're kind of right. They just kind of were a little bit too late of a player in the game. But with the celebrity Twitch folks, yeah, I don't, man, I hope they had some. I hope they kind of lawyered up before this whole thing started and, and said, "Look, you're giving us a lot of money to abandon what we what we got famous on, and I may not abandon the game, but the platform. And so, if you guys go belly up, we got to know that you know you're not dragging us down with you." So how much are we actually getting paid? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, maybe I hope they, I don't know if they got paid everything. I mean, it's, it's not any of my business, but man, I don't know. I still hope they, they got, they got some sort of royalties, um, like the majority of it anyhow. I'm sure that they probably negotiated something in their contracts where up front, like in order for them to leave Twitch where they've been established, there is a certain number that they had in their heads where it's like, okay, I want this immediately. No ifs, ands, or buts. Regardless of what happens or what goes down, this is mine. And I think they probably paid that out. But, I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about also how those deals were struck earlier this year. Wasn't I don't think it happened last year, right? Is my, is my memory serving me correctly? Like, didn't Ninja and Shroud and all of them, didn't they make the, the transition over at the start of this year? I thought it was towards the end of last year. Maybe it was. I don't. I, I uh, should have done my due diligence and made a note of that. But regardless of whether it was the end of last year or the beginning of this year, I don't think that they were on Mixer for even one year. I think that they were probably on Mixer for maybe six months. I, I would I would stretch it to eight, possibly six to eight months, and then this thing gets pulled. Which is, I mean, again, it's it. I guess it's not surprising. I was I was going to say the money that they have invested to Microsoft is just a drop in the bucket, right? Because they're a multi-billion-dollar corporation. They're not going to feel it really at all. I'm just surprised that they decided to to make this decision the way they did. And not only that, but then they're also partnering with Facebook, which I also find to be pretty interesting because I never really thought of Facebook and Microsoft working together on something. They just don't seem to be the type of companies that would necessarily do that. So I think that's kind of interesting unto itself. You know, not to mention the fact that the it's, it's difficult to get a reading on the gaming lifestyle on Facebook these days. Because I remember back in like kind of the mid to late uh, early 2000s, like 2006 to 2010, right around there. That was when Facebook gaming was kind of hitting its golden years where you had Farmville and you had some of these other casuals. Like it was, it was like the, the buzz phrase was casual games back then. But then Facebook kind of took a back seat to kind of the the gaming area like you still had like your little gambling games and that sort of thing but it's not as if we hear about facebook being like the major platform or one of the major platforms for doing gaming i, I mean do you hear anything no but it is i will tell you it is convenient i mean um if i see someone i'm following Oh, I mean, it's it's convenient where no matter where I am, I, mean, I got my phone on me. 
and I can pull it up and at least watch a few minutes of it. I won't watch hours on end, because um, that's <laughs> data that I'm paying for oftentimes. But it is way more convenient than signing on to Twitch, um, because, I mean, you get notified, and I think Twitch notifies you too, but... <clears throat> I mean, Facebook for me is, it just seems to be a lot easier. I'm, all, I'm on Facebook anyway, so if I see like Ronda Rousey, you know, Twitch and something, I'll be like, "Woo, Ronda Rousey!" And I'll sign, I'll sign on to watch her play a little bit of something, something. But but, but um, you're, are you are you talking about Twitch or are you talking about Facebook? No, for Facebook. But is she? Are you watching a Twitch stream through Facebook, or is she playing a game that is hosted on Facebook? It's a game that it's it's hosted on Facebook. Like Facebook will notify me that Ronda Rousey is live twitching, and so, okay, so that's not, different. Not, 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 no, 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 not twitching. Like it'll, I'll go to Ronda Rousey's page and she'll be on there, uh, streaming. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say twitching, but she'll be streaming on Facebook. It won't, it won't redirect me to Twitch. Gotcha. By the way, Ninja left in August last year, so it's been pretty close to a year. Oh wow, that's that's good to know. I'm glad that you looked that up. So it's, yeah, right around ten months. Okay, but still not even a year. That's, and especially if he, and I can't remember what kind of deal he struck with Microsoft. I know it was ten. I don't even know if they actually released what he, what kind of deal he made, but it had to have been in the tens of millions of dollars. I think he probably made out like a bandit. And the fact that he was able to just return to Twitch and keep going where he, where he got his start. It's, it's amazing. I, I, <laughs> I tip my hat to him. I, I think that's fantastic. And I just, I, I'd like to return a little bit here to the idea that Mixer as a platform was such a skeleton in terms of its design. It was like Microsoft had the technical know-how to create it where you can have streamers who had an Xbox be able to stream their Xbox games, and then they just kind of left it alone. They're like, okay, here you go. Go ahead and stream. And it's like, well, what else is there, you know, with regards to doing this? And you had, you know, granted, you had Xbox players who started up their little mixer channels and that sort of thing. Uh, But at the same time, there was again no sense of community it wasn't like they had like these systematic updates where like you know how like major nelson does his little inside xbox thing where he gives little updates and lets people know what's going on and they're they're you know despite the fact that um in terms of of, of their presentation um being kind of like i don't know like it's not it's not on a regular basis it's like I don't even really know like how often you have that coming out, but something as simple and straightforward as that, it helps to feel like you're in that Xbox ecosystem. And it, it helps to know that there are actual like people who are watching and checking stuff out and wanting to engage with their audience. And they just didn't, to my knowledge, they just didn't really have that when it comes to Mixer. And I think that was a, a large part of why the platform suffered. I just feel bad too for everyone who actually put a lot of time and effort into their Mixer channel all because they're getting shut down in a month, less than a month now. Can you imagine? That sucks. Anyway, the next story in gaming news is that yes, Batman Arkham developer Rocksteady is making a Suicide Squad game. 
Eurogamer reports that a list of leaked domain names has set internet terms. Wagging that rocksteady developer of Batman Arkham Asylum is working on a game centered on DC's Suicide Squad. The domain names popped up uh, on... I think it's, it's pronounced like Resetero where fans noted that they registered by a company connected to Warner Brothers. So they heard that one particular phrase registered as a domain, which is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League.com is a contender for the game's final title and a good summation of what we can expect Rocksteady's next big project to be about. But other domains registered include SuicideSquadGame.com and GothamKnightsGame.com. And Gotham Knights refers to the unannounced Batman game currently in development at the Batman Arkham Origins studio, Warner Brothers Montreal. Both projects are set to be teased at Warner Brothers' upcoming DC fandom event in August. So what do you think about that, Steve? I guess you'll be able to play your uh, your Harley Quinn sooner than you think. <laughs> I'm honestly surprised at this IP being what Rocksteady is working on because Rocksteady being the, the developers of the Arkham Trilogy, which is one of the best superhero video game trilogies ever, I was thinking they, they would probably have their pick of the litter in terms of what they would want to do next. And I am very surprised at this. Now, it could be some sort of misleading marketing campaign that, that Warner Brothers is doing. But because, you know, just technically speaking, it's not as if Rocksteady has officially come out and said, yes, we are working on a Suicide Squad game. Like, this is something that, that Eurogamer stumbled upon when they were doing a lot of the, the link sifting and domain registration. Would you buy this game, Steve, if Rocksteady does, in fact, come out with a Suicide Squad mm-hmm. game? I'm not too big on the old Suicide Squad era. Even if it was developed by Rocksteady? I don't know about that one. Yeah, I gotta say, I'm not sure about you. (laughs) I'm gonna keep an open mind, though, because you never know. I'm not gonna write it off. I'm gonna wait until I actually see some gameplay. Make my decision at that point. I don't think it's going to be based off the movies either. I think it's going to be based off the comic Finally, one little quick nugget of info is that Horizon Forbidden West is aiming for a 2021 release, and they are going to follow suit with God of War in the vein of having no loading screens whatsoever. So that is yet another AAA title that is not going to be a launch Title, which honestly I didn't expect it to necessarily be, but I was kind of 50 50 on it. So this definitely um, confirms it for me. Now, if we segue into movie news, there are even more headlines that will just, I mean, for, makes my head spin here and there a bit. So, with the Flash movie being in the works, Michael Keaton is in talks to play Batman again. What do you think of that, Steve? That's pretty cray-cray, Rush. I never thought that we'd ever see him in the Cape and Cowl again. I thought it was just like a one-and-done kind of thing with Tim Burton. 
But for, it was first reported by The Wrap and confirmed by The Hollywood Reporter that Keaton is currently in talks to appear in the upcoming Flash movie, appearing alongside Ezra Miller's Barry Allen. Now, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Keaton's role won't be a simple cameo or one-off appearance. Instead, Warner uh, hopes to include him in a recurring character in upcoming DC films in a role compared to the one filled by Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sign me up, Steve. I want to see that. Do you want to see that? I want to no, see that. I'm, yeah, I'm going to answer for you. Yeah, you want to see that. I definitely do want to see it. Uh, I'm interested in what they're going to do. I Well, I hope they don't... I hope they steer away from the silly stuff that they've been doing with all their superhero movies. Because I can't see Michael Keaton playing Batman as serious as it was in the original 1980s Batman. I can't see him going back and doing something wacky in there or, or saying some stupid, you know, you know jokes or whatever. I, I just can't see it. It's got to be how it was before because that's what the fans are going to want. I agree. I definitely agree. Uh, THR continues that says uh, there's a quote if a deal ma um, makes Keaton wouldn't just return for the Flash but possibly for several other DC oriented film projects sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that the role being envisioned for the veteran actor is akin to the role uh, oh I, wait a minute I, I, already, I already talked about that didn't I I don't no, I didn't. What, do I, what am I doing? Well, no. Okay, I'm gonna keep going. I'm just gonna keep going, Steve. Anyway, to back up here, sources tell the Hollywood Reporter that the role being envisioned for the veteran actor is akin to the role played by Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, something of a mentor or guide or even a string puller. Now, Batgirl is one of the projects in development that could fall under that win. This will mark Keaton's first time reprising the role in almost 30 years, Steve. 30. Count them. Keaton previously played Bruce Wayne and his alter ego in 1989's Batman and 1992's Batman Returns. Both directed by Tim Burton. Now, in other Batman-related news, uh, this is another shock. Um, Joel Schumacher has passed away. You know, if you recall, he was the director of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, among many other films. He was 80 years old when he died. And according to The Hollywood Reporter, once again, Schumacher died after a year-long battle with cancer. So um, definitely my our, our condolences go out to his family. And despite the fact that um, I absolutely hated Batman and Robin... He is responsible for um, many other movies, including Falling Down, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, St. Elmo's Fire, A Time to Kill, Dying Young, DC Cab, 8mm, The Incredible Shrinking Woman, the number 23, um, Tigerland, Phone Booth, Trespass, even the, the movie version of The Phantom of the Opera. So he, he's had a pretty prolific directorial career. Uh, despite the fact that he also made one of the films I hate. <laughs> Without, if you just take them, the, those one Batman movies that he probably should have never done. I mean, Wonder Bros should have never come to with a, that contract altogether. But 
other than that, I mean, that, that's not, it's nothing bad to say, uh, to throw any, throw any shade on his name or throw any dirt on his name because uh, he was still a very talented guy and, um, man, all the money in the world and still can't cure cancer for crying out loud. It's 2020. I know, Anyhow. cancer sucks. Golly. Uh, the final story that I have here for movie news is that Cyberpunk has secretly been working with a company called Trigger, uh, which I believe is an anime production studio in Tokyo, as well as Netflix to um, have a, a series called Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which is slated to come out in 2022. And apparently they have some extremely talented anime people that are behind this. So I, for one, am very stoked to see something from that. Are you, Steve? Please just punch me. This is Holly Quinn saying you better listen to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. Or me and my pudding are going to come over to your house and smash in your face. Take it away, fellas. Well, get ready to jack yourself back in. It's time for our topic of the day. Topic of the day is the Cyberpunk 2077 Night City Wire Episode 1 that debuted earlier today. This was CD Projekt Red's latest foray of being able to provide a glimpse into the crazy world of Cyberpunk. Apparently, um, some of the members of the press were able to have a hands-on demo in which I think they played for like four hours at least. So it, they... I haven't had much of a chance to really read up too much on, on what their responses were. However, I watched, I think three times in a row today, that particular presentation that CD project red gave. I would like to hear your initial thoughts, Steve. Oh my gosh. Um, Man, I was glued to the TV. I mean, I, I, I told my wife she had to watch it too. She had to, she had to watch it with me. <laughs> it's, I think you're watching this. Um, <laughs> you see that chair? Put your butt in it. <laughs> she watched the TV. I'm sorry. Um, no. So, I mean, I was glued. I, every every time they start talking about this game, it seems like uh, the developers and everyone involved has so much passion, and it. it's like they 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 have this look in their eye of telling people about the first game or the first something they're really into and they can't wait to tell somebody about it. And even though there's excitement with new games coming out, it's different when you when you see the folks from CD Projekt Red talk about the work they're doing. It's just different. You look in their eyes, you look in the ex- their expressions, and, and like everybody who's involved in this whole project, it's like they know they have something good and they can't wait to show everybody, but they, but, but because the game's not out, of course, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty sworn to secrecy. Um, golly, the, the, the one guy, the one developer who, I, who we see pretty regularly with uh, any kind of CD project red PR, I feel like I could be totally good friends with that guy. I mean, he seems like he's so happy and he loves what he does. 
uh, uh, what's his name? Powell, Powell, something like that. He, something I've seen I can't a lot remember. Of different, yeah, he, I've seen him in a lot of different, uh, you know, content creators videos, whether it's like the, like the original 45 minute long press review or something. And he's like, always oh, front and center talking about, um, the, the, the game, man, I don't know. It looks so good. Every, every time I think, man, this game is going to be really deep. They show you something else about something that, that, that they're working on a different part of the game. You're thinking, man, that's complex. That's what we're going to be doing too. Like we're going to be involved in this thing forever. Like it, it, it is complex. There's so much going on. They've thought of everything. It seems like, and I really do hope they, they, that they have, I uh, hope we do, you know, we don't play it and it just seems like this is all on the surface, but no, I was stoked. I was even stoked when they brought the other gentleman out to talk about the lore. And when he was saying, you know, we think of all this stuff to, to talk about with the, the history uh, of, you know, whatever this thing you might be looking at, how, you know, th- this piece has significance. So we might not even ever use it, but at least we know where it came from. At least we know how it fits in the universe uh, in, in this environment that we're creating. I thought that's what lore is. Thank you. Like, that's so awesome. I have always thought like if I was ever to create a game, which I would never do, I mean, I don't, I don't have the, the smart sport, but you know, if ever I were to do that and create some background, I would, I would, that's how I would instruct my employees is, okay, we have to have history. This it can't be just surface level, skin deep type stuff. We have to have, we have, the people who are going to be playing this or looking at it have to know that we, we've had more than just one thought about it. Like there has to be some sort of history. And so, man, I thought, I don't know. I just thought that whole entire you know, 25 minute little podcasty deal was, uh, was just fabulously done. I was glued. Uh, I locked everything I, I saw. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I, I was, God, how do I, how do I even like start this off? Every single time that that CD project red shows off the, the game and development, I have been utterly blown away. And it's not as if they're rehashing the same stuff over and over and over. Every time that they showcase an update to the game, they show something that's completely different. And this is no exception when it comes to this particular presentation. I, I want to um, say, you know, just to start things off that uh, it looks like this is probably going to be their episodic type of show that they're going to do. Cause they said it was episode one and they already said how episode two is going to be coming out. I want to say next month. So it sounds like they will probably have at least one episode per month, if not more leading up to the launch of the game and probably even afterwards as well. And I've got to hand it to them. I think that that is a fantastic idea. And I think that based off this very first episode with having um, Holly B, who was the, uh, the, the MC, she was hosting the show. She did a great job and having different elements or aspects to the game that they are highlighting, bringing some of the, the game developers in and being able to interview them and have them explain parts of the game that they have been working on or that they're excited to share that sort of thing. And then even have real gameplay footage that is huge at a time where both of us have been disappointed with the, the E3-esque showings that Microsoft 
EA Games and Sony have done with in regards to the fact that there has hardly been any kind of actual gameplay footage. And it's interesting because I know that people will make some kind of argument saying, oh, well, Russ, like, this is a, a current-gen title. And I wouldn't disagree with that necessarily, but then they also dropped the bomb during their... Uh, their presentation where they was talking about how if you get a, a PS5 or an Xbox Series X, there's going to be some sort of significant upgrade drop that is going to be free that's going to take advantage of the hardware capabilities of those consoles. So it is arguably a next-gen title. And I think that, that I think it, it is a textbook example of what has been missing from all of these E3 shows. And I think CD Projekt Red gets it. I think they understand precisely what the gamers are looking for, what they want to see. And they are creating brand affinity. I cannot stress enough the importance of this. You, as a studio, it is so paramount. And, and, and this isn't limited to just gaming studios. Any company you have where you have a, a vested interest in cultivating a sense of community or even being a part of your community. If it's like a local community or national or international community, you have got to be thoughtful about how you present your content and you have to do it in such a way where you get the masses excited. You engage with them. You have the means to be able to do that. So looking at, at all of this, I mean, like, like to your point, Steve, when you were talking about how the one gentleman came out who um, was working a lot on the, the game lore, what he was talking about was um, the, a feature that they were showing called, um, it's called Brain Dance. And you can do it in the game where you can essentially go through someone's memories and it's somehow downloaded on a chip or something. I'm not exactly sure about what the details are about that. But essentially it records the sites the sounds, the, 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 the sensation of touch and everything that a certain person goes through. And you're able to essentially get hooked up to a machine and then relive it through their eyes. Or you can have a kind of more of like a third person omnipresent kind of uh, perspective as well and inspect things. And I don't know, like, like the, the, the guy who was talking about the lore, he talked about how, he was doing research and, and how this concept was actually invented in the early 2000s at UC Santa Cruz. And it was developed in such a way that it um, could record a person's experiences and playing it back for someone else so they could relive it as if it was happening to them. And how it was originally used for therapy and prison rehabilitation and how they transformed it in uh, the game to enhance the, the more of like the media experiences and stuff. And so, I mean, I found that to be fascinating because I didn't think that there was any kind of concept that it actually existed. Not to say that that's like, that, you know, people in <laughs> UC Santa Cruz are able to jack into other people's minds or anything like that. But I love how there has been research done that acted as the jumping off point of inspiration for them to take it into their game and, and make something that really honestly is similar to Batman Arkham series detective mode. But I feel like this is the, the appropriate evolution of what that gameplay mechanic introduced to us in, in that series. Do you agree? I agree wholeheartedly. I think they, uh, they've been paying very close attention. I mean, you made a lot of points, but I, um, <laughs> so I'll kind of touch on all of them. I mean, I think that 
CD Projekt Red has been plugged in, Russ, pun intended, oh. to, to their audience from the very beginning. Because even when E3 had been struggling, they released the 45 minutes that they showed the press to all of us all at once. And we have been blown away. So we've been salivating for a year and they still keep coming out with more and more and more. And they're not just like, you know, giving us seconds worth. They're giving us entire, like just nearly half an hour. I mean, this was 25 minutes. Um, and, and they're, they're giving us quality stuff. It's, it, it's, that's fa- absolutely fantastic. And it just, it, it, it really cements that the game is going to be good. And, they know what they're the content they have. They know the community that they that they're marketing to, and they know what we all want. And they're giving it to us in like the best way possible. And they're being sincere about it too. They're not trying to. I mean, yes, I guess it could be a hype, but I mean, they're not really. They're not hyping it like total, you know, grade A marketing style. They're just really proud of their what they have achieved. So, and you know, <laughs> hats off to them. Um, but yeah, no, even with, uh, with that whole thing with, uh, with, with the lore and the, the brain dance, I mean, that, that was absolutely fascinating, um, with that whole detective kind of looking, you know, that, that work with, you can look around, you can kind of backtrack, you can look through his eyes or you can, uh, scan different parts, um, that, that chip that was, you know, that the people probably have in their, their mind or their eye, I don't even know, um, would be able to sense around the area. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I think they, they probably did pay attention to uh, the detective mode in, in, in the Batman series. They probably, you know, had, of course, they did a little bit in the Witcher series as well. You know, that was kind of more basic. But um, anyhow, it's literally them expanding on what people like about other games and uh, putting it, their own little spin on it in their own. It is interesting to me also how I have kind of gone back and forth with being excited for the game and and wondering if I should be concerned about the game because like every time they have a presentation on it, I'm absolutely floored. I'm blown away. And then I'll, I'll find out through like LinkedIn or whatever that they're going through some sort of massive hiring process. And that has not been a secret at all over the last few months here where the game has been delayed again. And I think the game has been delayed, what, two or three times now? Uh, At least twice, yeah. And after each time that they've delayed it, they've um, continued to hire more and more folks on the team. Now, in in the gaming development world, you know, this is is not to say at all that I know what's going on over at CD Projekt Red because I have no idea. However... Sometimes when a studio is ramping up this late in the game, it means one of two things. Either they're trying to hit a deadline or um, they're having problems and they're just trying to throw as, as many people on it as they can. And I was starting to wonder, is this what CD Projekt Red is finding themselves in have they bit off more than they can chew because this is a pretty substantial departure from what they usually do and i think um after watching today i think that that particular thought has been put to bed because it's amazing how much improvement i i've noticed within the game itself from the last time that we saw i think the last time didn't we see 
Keanu Reeves up on stage? Was that their last big presentation right. of the game? Uh, I think, I think the actually, it was it wasn't that. I think they had another one after that. That was the forty-five minute long gameplay right. that, demo. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, so to your point, like that was a big deal. Like when, when they had that four, I mean, that was unheard of to have a game that was in development. It wasn't going to come out for a while, but they had like a 45 minute long gameplay demo of just one little dinky part of the game. And then we come to today where like, I mean, what was that? Like at least 25 minutes worth of gameplay again. Well, it wasn't 25 minutes worth of gameplay. I mean, they showed a lot of gameplay, but they were flipping back and forth between, uh, you know, the folks talking and back to the game. So, yeah. I mean, I would say probably a good portion of it was half gameplay and half talking points. What I think is crazy is this game is a bonafide role-playing game. And I love how it has refreshed my outlook as to, like, what you can expect from a role-playing game. Because I, I feel like a lot of the RPGs that we come to see, they tend to be kind of more of the fantasy genre, right? Like, like big swords and your armor and there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it, I feel as though the genre has almost pigeonholed itself or I don't know what the right word is, but it definitely strikes me as, as like, well, anytime someone utters RPG, that's kind of what everybody's mind goes to. And I feel like, you know, you had some exceptions like, you know, for instance, um, Star Wars KOTOR, for instance, you know, that was more of a sci-fi thing where you could be a Jedi and that was a hugely successful series when that came out. Or, you know, the Mass Effect series, at least the, the earlier titles like Mass Effect 1 and 2, maybe even 3, were hugely successful. And that was more of a sci-fi realm as well. And I think what's so cool about this is that this is a what appears to be a massively well thought out world that is essentially it's it's a futuristic world. Yeah, it's got a little bit of sci-fi elements in it, but it's it's more grounded in reality. It's a sure more of a fantastical reality, but I think it's one that um, will find itself much more universally appealing as a result of, of their approach. I just, I, I cannot, I mean, I was thinking about what I was looking at today and I wonder how many gaming hours we're going to put into this thing. <laughs> Probably about 60 at least. Oh, I think it's going to be way higher than that. Like it, when I, when I was thinking about red dead redemption two, I know I put in hundreds of hours into that and I think you may have as well. Right. I am probably pretty close to at least a hundred. I don't recall. It's been a while since I actually took a look at that, but you know, Red Dead Redemption two. And I would say to a certain extent, um, it had RPG elements to it. It definitely was not an RPG. That was more of a third person action game. But when it comes to a game like this, I, oh man, just the from the 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 character creation itself how many different types of characters can you create how and, and you know it, what's interesting to me when i think about it 
is typically when I, when I'm going through our character creation mode, there are certain features I just kind of gravitate towards and that's it. It's like, okay, I've made my character. I'm good to go. Let's get started. I think I'm going to have an identity crisis when it comes to this game, because I think there are so many different things that would ultimately kind of, uh, enhance or change the flavor of the gameplay experience. I may find myself creating multiple characters. What about you? Quite possibly, Russ. It really depends. I mean, maybe I want to be a, a man, a buff Arnold Schwarzenegger type of mech cyborg man. Maybe I want to just be a hot chick. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying there, Steve. <laughs> a hot chick with blades out of my arms. <laughs> and laser beams in my eyes. <laughs> And I also think, too, that the game is going to explore a lot of philosophical um, topics, honestly, when it comes to society, when it comes to your humanity versus becoming more and more like a machine and the the benefits of doing so versus the, the, the uh, detractors and what you're sacrificing ultimately and... You know, what kind of decisions do you want to make? Do you want to make those upgrades or or do you want to play through the entire game with not a single upgrade that you get implemented into your body? And, and then this is like, this is just not even like pecking the surface. And I loved it when we saw the the other guy who was the, I think he was like a mission designer or something like that. And he opened up his notebook and you saw all these things that were scribbled out. But I mean, the dude has page upon so page awesome. upon page of notes. So and it's, awesome. And it's even the small type of writing. <laughs> it's not like huge notes. It's like each binder paper line has like tons and tons and tons of words on it. I'm thinking, my goodness. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole entire clip, to be honest. I'm like, man, this guy's into it. He, this guy's, man, that, that's imagination. That's like his mind constantly. I wonder if he sleeps at night or if he has trouble like I do. I mean, he might, I mean, I just wonder his mind must be going all the time. And when he gets, I mean, he must carry that notebook around everywhere he goes. And when he has an idea, he just writes it down. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I mean, he probably has, he has that, he was going page after page and every page is like filled out completely of different notes that he wants to implement in the game or that are maybe was a good idea. I was, I was, I was floored. I, I thought that was so cool. It was, it was really cool. Um, I, I just I cannot wait to play that game. Yeah. I I think that that they the the people who are working on it, I think they are tremendously excited about what they're working on. There's there's a certain passion that is exuded with each of them and like I don't I don't want to oversell the thing or overhype the game, but I think this is gonna be I, I think it has massive potential to really be one of the defining games that people will talk about for decades. I really do. I think that there, there has been so much TLC that's been put into this game. And the fact that they have shown as much as they have and no one, I haven't talked to a single soul who has grown tired of the different demos that they have shown. Everybody is just as interested to check out the latest stuff. 
I mean, I think that, that they're feeling confident about their product. I think that they know that they're sitting on something really special and unique. And I just, I, I really, really hope that the final product is indeed what we think it's going to be. I mean, what, what a letdown it would be if we start playing and we're like, wait, this thing is broken. <laughs> well, I think that's, that's partly it is when we were watching, like, let's say Anthem, we're going, nothing they're saying makes like any bit of sense whatsoever. The game just looks cool with, with, with cyberpunk. What they're saying makes perfect sense. And the game looks incredible. Yeah. So it's not like you have 50% that's good and 50% that's out from left field. You have, I mean, the right hand definitely knows what the left hand is doing and they're both chugging along. Like they're both new. It's, it just feels good. It feels right. It feels like it feels proper. That's what it feels like. You know, while you were talking, I looked up our hours that we have invested into Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, you actually have more hours than I do. Oh, whatever. I have 229 hours invested in an RDR2, and you have 253. That's because I left the Xbox on uh, a couple nights while I was sleeping. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> And RDR2 is one of my favorite, I don't know about you, but for me, it's one of my all-time favorite games. I think that there is so much to love about that game. It, it was my, I think it was both of our our picks for game of the year when it came out. And it, yet it, it does not have, it was not designed to have the level of storytelling narrative depth that Cyberpunk 2077 looks as though it's going to have. Even like like the the woman who was kind of running the guy through the little brain dance scenario thing, I want to know her backstory. She was really cool looking. Her personality was neat. Being in that that area, I was filled with wonder and intrigue, and going through some of the other areas of of uh, Night City and whatnot. Like just every bit, it, it's it's almost like. I don't know. It's like when I played GTA five, I was really impressed with how the, 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 the city just seemed alive, which is a hard thing to pull off in a game. A lot of times you play a game and everything just kind of seems robotic and there's nothing organic about it. And GTA five really did a good job of making the, the city just feel bustling and alive and people li living in it and things happening spontaneously all the time, everywhere, that sort of thing. And that was a, a one of the strong testaments to the quality of that particular game. But I feel as though cyberpunk has taken that and ran with it to the point where you could probably talk to like a ton of different people in this game or come in contact with them to, a, to various levels. And my, 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 one of my big hopes of this game is that they have made it so open ended and procedural that you can literally play like if you were to restart this game 10 times, you, each time you would have a significantly different experience making your way through the game's story. And not to mention that I, if I remember correctly, I think that they will have some kind of online multiplayer component to the game. And I don't think it's going to be launched at the time the game is released, but I do think they're working on something that will come out later, which I mean, it, 
it's a no brainer considering this is like a, you know, cyberpunk hacker online type of world, right? Exactly. Do you have any concluding thoughts on what you saw today, Steve? Um, I'm probably tuning in. Uh, what, what do they say? Like two weeks from now, or was it next week that they're going to have another episode of this whole thing? I believe they said it was next month in, in July, oh. which I mean, I mean, yeah. July is going to be here in about a month and a, or a month and a half <laughs> and about a week and a half. So I think it looks as though they will probably, here's my guess. I think they're going to start out with things with, with having episodes that come out perhaps once a month. And then as the time grows nearer to the game releasing, they'll probably speed that up. Maybe they'll have um, episodes drop every other week. And perhaps the final month, they'll have episodes that um, drop uh, every week. So, and I'm sure they'll probably have episodes that drop even after the game releases, because I think there will be a metric ton of information, tips, how-to tutorials, all kinds of stuff that they can be able to feature and spotlight and you know provide information on and that sort of thing. And that will definitely go a long way to um, building and retaining the cyberpunk community. There you go. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y. G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week. <laughs>